You're listening to TIP. On today's show, we continue to revisit some of my favorite podcasts from the past in this Millennial Investing Rewind. If you've missed our previous Rewind episodes, we've started to reshare some older episodes that are my favorites for a few reasons. One, we get a bunch of new listeners each week, so the new listeners may not have heard this episode before. Two, even if you've been listening for a while, you may have missed this episode when it originally came out. Or three, even if you've heard it before, it can be a great episode to learn from again. If you've already heard this episode or you're not interested in hearing it, feel free to just skip it. There's no harm in that, and you could pick up with our new episodes next week. Also, if you've been listening for a while, you know about the fee for this show. And if you're new, I want to let you know that we do have a fee for listening to the Millennial Investing and Real Estate 101 podcast. It's not a monetary fee. I don't want you guys to have to pay me anything to listen to the show. I'm actually happy and proud to be able to bring this to you guys for free and provide all of this content for free. But what we ask for the fee is for you to share this show with one friend. For every episode that you like the show, just share it with one friend. I'd love it if you shared this across social media and told hundreds of people, but you don't have to do that. You can satisfy the fee by just sharing every episode that you like with one person. If an episode makes you think of something in a different way or teaches you something new, just share that episode with a friend. And we've made it easy for you to do that by creating what is called starter packs. So what we've done to make it easy for you guys to pay the fee is created these things called starter packs. We've basically created five or six categories that all of these different episodes could fit into from beginner stock market investing to personal finance and a bunch of other different categories. And I've listed out my four to six favorite episodes for that category. So if you want to share the show with somebody, you can tell them to check out the starter packs and they can pick which category and which episodes they want to check out. Or even if you're just looking to find some episodes in a certain category, you could check out those starter packs as well. You can find those by going to theinvestorspodcast.com slash M-I starter packs. That's theinvestorspodcast.com slash MI starter packs. And if you want to connect with me directly, the best place to find me is on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram. My username on both is the Robert Leonard. That's the Robert Leonard. T-H-E-R-O-B-E-R-T-L-E-O-N-A-R-D. All right, guys, that's all I had for you for this new intro. Everything going forward is going to be from the original show. Hope you guys enjoy it. On today's show, I share my conversation with a guest that needs no introduction, Lewis Howes. For those who may not be familiar with Lewis, he is a former professional athlete, New York Times bestselling author, successful entrepreneur, and a very popular podcast host. He has been featured on Ellen, Good Morning America, Time Magazine, Forbes, Entrepreneur, ESPN, Inc., Men's Health and many more of the world's most popular media outlets. He also just finished a super cool project, a documentary about his life called Chasing Greatness. Lewis and his story have been a big inspiration for me and taught me a lot, so I'm honored to have Lewis on the show today. During this episode, we talk about mentorship, overcoming adversity, personal development, and how having the right mindset leads to success in life, business, and investing. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, Thank you. If this is your first episode, welcome. 
I'm the host, Robert Leonard, and on this Millennial Investing Podcast, I talk with successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire people 22 years old to about 40 years old. My goal is to help you improve your financial literacy and make better investment decisions with both your time and money. We often cover tactical how-to investing advice, but we also cover more general topics like today's episode, where Lewis and I talk about things that can make you an even better investor or just better overall with your money. For example, in today's episode, we talk about having a good diet, not eating a lot of sugar and exercising. And you might be wondering how that relates to business or investing. It's important it relates to being a successful investor because if you're not doing these things right, you can suffer from health-related issues that impact how you invest and manage your money. I know for me personally, if I don't follow the things we talk about in this episode, I feel tired and I often have headaches. So from an investing perspective, that leads to me making bad investment decisions because I can't think clearly and analyze the opportunities objectively. And from a personal finance perspective, it leads to me breaking my own money rules and the budgets that I've set, which just pushes me further away from my goals. So while not everything we talk about on the show is tactical investing advice, I promise you it is all valuable when your goal is to be successful investing, managing your money, or starting a side hustle. But without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Lewis Howes. You're listening to Millennial Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your host, Robert Leonard, interviews successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire the millennial generation. Welcome to today's show. As always, I'm your host, Robert Leonard, and I'm super excited to have Lewis Howes here with me today. Welcome to the show, Lewis. My man. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate you, man. I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show today are familiar with you, but I've personally been super inspired by all the things you've done. So can you tell me the story of your success and what you had to overcome? Well, I mean, there's lots of stories you could tell, but I think the main story is that I used to be a professional football player. That was my dream. I got injured very quickly in my first season, and I didn't have a backup plan. My whole goal my entire life was to make money catching a football or playing some sport. So when it was over, I just had no clue what steps to take and who I was supposed to become because the thing I wanted to become, I could no longer do. And I remember after many months of kind of being, I guess, a little bit depressed, but I had a cast on, I had surgery, and I was living on my sister's couch for six months. And during that time, I just remember asking myself, like, what am I supposed to do now? Dream is done. Who am I supposed to be? This is what I'm known for. This is the only thing I'm good at. I don't have any other skills. I don't have any college degree. So what am I supposed to do? And I remember eventually telling myself, okay, what you know is sports. You need to make this next phase of your life a sport. You need to make life a sport. And you know how to play a game. You know how to be a part of a team. So what's the first step to recreating a sport in life? For me, it was finding a coach. I knew that great coaches that I had I wouldn't have been able to achieve the results in sports without them. So I started to look for mentors ASAP. I started to reach out to anyone that I'd met in college or anyone that I'd met as a coach previously and just start reaching out to people and ask them for really if they'd mentor me and coach me. And I found three great mentors early on who were able to give me some great coaching and guidance. And the second thing I did is I said, okay, I'm going to create some goals. Just like in sports, I had goals for a season, uh, 
for my career, for all these things. I'm going to write down a list of goals. And then after that, I just would check in with my mentors every week on my goals, the action steps I was taking. I would get feedback on the failures I would make, and I just kept moving forward every day until I would achieve them. So it really wasn't this like complicated of an idea. I just recreated a sports feeling into life. It was very hard to take the action, to get the failures, to learn something from scratch. It was hard, but it was a simple concept, but it was hard to implement. But that's something I've been doing now for the last, I guess, 12 years now. And uh, I just keep repeating it and reinventing it with everything that I'm doing with every new goal that I have. Being an athlete myself for almost my whole life, I know that I've learned a ton from playing sports. What did playing sports teach you about business and just really life in general? I think you learn a lot about yourself when you're playing sports because the greatest thing about the sports that I played, there was no judges in the sports that I played. It was always you either scored more points, you were the fastest person in the race. It wasn't like, oh, I think they did the best. Like a gymnast, I feel like has a hard time. You're judged based on a bunch of people saying, I liked that or I didn't like that. Whereas my sports, where you scored the most and you won or you lost. It was very clear. I learned a lot about myself from a lot of the times losing because I was a very sore loser. And I continued to apply that mentality into business. Whenever I would lose at something or fail at something, I would beat myself up. I would get angry. I would work even harder. And it left me feeling very unfulfilled. So what I learned about myself is that life is a sport. And it's a mirror. The sports I played and how I reacted in, in sports was the same way I reacted in business until I was able to reflect, realize like this pattern doesn't work for me. I'm going to start reacting in a different way and responding in a different way when I fail or when I mess up or when something bad happens. So I was just able to see that through reflection, sports and life are, are very similar and they were able to show me who I am and reflect on those things. In addition to everything else you went through in life, Sports were your whole life and all that you really knew until it all came to a halt and you were sleeping on your sister's couch. Despite all of that, you were still able to become a New York Times bestselling author, build a multi-million dollar company, and have a super popular podcast. How were you able to cultivate a champion's mindset and turn that adversity into an advantage? To be honest, sometimes I think you either have a desire or you don't. And I just always had a desire to win and to do something great. And I'll work with a lot of people who want coaching from me or who email me who just say, well, I have this dream, but they don't have the desire. And I think you need to have both. You need to have a clear, big dream. If you want to be a champion mentality, you need to go for the champion's dream. And you need to have a desire that is unwavering. And I had a desire that was so strong. It was like, I felt like I was starving every single day. And I was so hungry to eat. I was so hungry to learn, to grow, to achieve, to reach that championship in every sport that I was doing. And I can't really say how I developed it. I can probably say how certain things in my life set me up to feeling that hunger, like being sexually abused when I was a kid, like my brother going to prison when I was eight years old, like not having any friends pretty much until I was 13. And being picked on and made fun of all the time, being in special needs classes, never feeling good enough. It was a combination of events that created hunger within me and made me feel like I want to prove the world wrong. Like the world was against me and I'm going to prove the world wrong. So I think it was a combination of events that made me cultivate that. 
and say, I'm going to either allow this to defeat me or I'm going to step up and use this to define something greater in myself. And for whatever reason, I don't know if that's just natural instincts or I don't know if that's just how we are as humans. I decided to just step up as opposed to fall down. That's how I did it. What is something that you're still working on to this day? What are you trying to improve on? Patience. I think it's easy for me to compare myself to where I think I should be or see other friends that have something that maybe I don't have and say, oh, I should be much farther along than I am. And yet, every year I'm growing and I'm impacting more people and I'm really grateful for that as well. So I think, again, it's human nature to want to create more and not be satisfied with where you're at. And that makes us want to learn and grow and be better. So I don't beat myself up. I'm not like suffering inside because I'm not where I'm at. But I think having patience, just being like, okay, to with where I'm at, saying, okay, I'm going to be hungry for more, but I'm also okay. And being peaceful about it all. So less stress, more patience, and that solves a lot of problems. Everything around us today is really such an instant mentality, right? With social media and just the way things can get shipped to your door overnight or even same day delivery, everything is in an instant. How can people really cultivate that patience mindset? I think the first thing is just creating some simple practices for yourself. You know, when we don't have a practice in place, then we forget to have patience. We're so quick to respond, quick to react, quick to check our phone, quick to check email, as opposed to having structure and practices in place. Structure actually gives you freedom, gives you peace, and allows you to be more productive when you create structure, when you create parameters in your life. As an athlete, we had structure and practices. We didn't just say, okay, we'll see you out there on the field sometime in the afternoon and throw the ball around and figure it out. We said, no, be there at 3.20 for warm-ups. 3.30, we start on the dot. 3 to 3.15, we do special teams. 3.15 to 3.30, we're doing mindset. 3.30 to 4, we're doing offense. 4 to 4.30 is defense. Water breaks are in there. Like Everything was structured and organized. And that allowed us to be to get into the flow. It allowed us to be expressive and creative because of the structure, as opposed to saying, don't create any practices, any ground rules, any order, and just go out there and be as creative as you want and make plays happen. It wouldn't work that way. You wouldn't become a champion without structure and practices. So in order to be create more patience in your life, creating structure and order in your life, saying to yourself, I'm not going to be on the phone for the first hour when I wake up. I'm not going to be on the phone the last hour before I go to sleep. I'm only going to check my phone at certain times. I'm not going to be on email at certain times. I'm going to create meditation practices throughout the day, or I'm going to go for a walk twice a day for 10 minutes and leave my phone back so I'm not checking it. Give myself peace of mind. Whatever it is, you got to figure out what the practice is for you to create that patience, but you got to have order and structure in your life. Gary Vee talks a lot about self-awareness and how that can help with developing patients. How important do you think that is? I think emotional intelligence or what Tony Robbins says, emotional fitness is has transformed my life. And I guess you can call self-awareness emotional intelligence in some ways because it's really understanding your emotions and the emotions of other people. And when you can understand and have empathy and compassion for your own emotions, where you're at in your life, and also understanding why someone else might be reactive in a certain way, you can take a step back, take your ego out of your body and place it over to the side 
and just kind of look at your ego reacting and not make you react. You know, your body and your mind and your heart can be present as opposed to reactive. And I think that's all about dealing with emotional intelligence. That's all about dealing with your past, healing from the past, forgiving yourself, forgiving other people. And if you are listening to this right now and you have moments of your past that still hurt you, that still make you scared, that still make you insecure, that you see someone on the street that you've known and it makes you run away from them. If there are things that you haven't forgiven or let go of or apologize for, step one is really healing the past and forgiving yourself. And that will set a foundation for creating more emotional intelligence and patience moving forward or self-awareness, like Gary likes to say. What is an example of a positive habit that people should implement in their lives that would really have a big impact, but just for some reason, people seem to just overlook it? No sugar, no alcohol, no cigarettes. One, eight hours of sleep minimum is two, and then some type of high-intensity physical workout five days a week is three. You do those three things, you're already 90% of the way there. What impact do those things have? Clarity, patience, joy, freedom. You know, when you have sugar, alcohol, or cigarettes, you're damaging your body. When you damage your body, you become depressed. You become low energy. When you have low energy and become depressed, you make poor decisions. You hurt yourself and you hurt other people. That's one. You don't get eight hours of sleep. The science has proven that you're going to have less energy. You're going to be less smart. You're going to have poorer memory. You're going to make poor judgment calls in your life. And your body will not live as long as it can if you get less than that amount of sleep. So if you want to make an impact in this world, you want to give your, set yourself up to live as long as you can, you need that type of sleep. Cut out alcohol, cigarettes, sugar, exercise. It's just improving with the science that when you exercise, you create endorphins, dopamine, natural endorphins, dopamine to bring joy, to feel more excitement, to feel more positivity, happiness in your life. You build self-confidence when you work out. You become more secure with yourself, you know, less insecure. You develop a sense of pride. So by doing hard things on a daily basis, you build pride, you build self-confidence, and that helps you go for your dreams. And anything that supports you in achieving your dreams is supporting you in your life. Yeah. I recently read Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. And that was really just such an eye-opener for me. I mean, it just provided so much clarity as to why sleep is so important. And I think we get stuck in that hustle mindset these days, but you know, it really is about being productive in the hours you're awake and really making sure you get as much sleep as you can. How about caffeine and coffee? How do you think that impacts the body? I never drank caffeine or coffee. I shouldn't say never. I had pop as a kid and then I gave up pop or soda, if you want to call it that. I gave it up probably when I was in I don't know, high school or college, because I realized it was affecting my sports. And I'd never been drunk in my life. I've never smoked cigarettes or smoked anything. I had like a puff or whatever, but I haven't like smoked it. And I've just seen people who drink, who smoke, who do those things that I, they just don't have the edge. Caffeine, I don't want to speak into because I don't know the exact research, but I know that I lived my whole life until I was like 34 without, without coffee and I was doing amazing. I started doing Bulletproof coffee a couple of years ago because I started intermittent fasting and I wanted to test that. Now I do a, a cup, sometimes two cups of coffee a day, more of like a, a meal replacement 
you know, it's probably something I should probably drink tea and just more water. I think one cup of coffee or bulletproof coffee a day, if you're intermittent fasting, is fine. I think if you are living your life where you need more than two cups of coffee a day to have the energy, then something else is wrong. Like you're not getting enough sleep. You don't have practices in place. You don't have your rituals and routines in place. If you're relying on coffee to give you energy, it shouldn't be the case. You're probably having too much sugar or breads, pastas, rice, which is causing these spikes in insulin, which is you're needing to have coffee because you're crashing. Body shouldn't crash. It should be sustained from the amount of sleep and the amount of food that you're eating on a daily basis. And if you work out, you sleep enough, eat healthy, organic, mostly plant-based foods, some meat, you will have all the energy you need unless you have some other type of complication or disease or problem that, that I'm not aware of. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey guys, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I got married and one of the most stressful parts of our relationship has been trying to join our finances together. We all know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce, but Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Unlike other personal finance apps that we tried, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product, and they release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. Most importantly, they never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, my wife and I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners on this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com mi. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash mi for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash mi for an extended 30-day free trial. Do you guys ever feel overwhelmed with all that's going on in the markets and feel like you just can't keep up with the day-to-day news headlines? Today's show sponsor, Yahoo Finance, is my go-to solution to keeping up with today's top news and stay informed with what is happening globally. With Yahoo Finance, I'm able to see the biggest trends and biggest movers in the stock market, what is happening with interest rates, major geopolitical events, and much more. If it wasn't for Yahoo Finance, I would have no idea that Tesla is laying off 10% of their staff or why iPhone shipments are down 9% year over year. Yahoo Finance also has a number of other cool features, including a tool that lets you link in all of your investment accounts, analyst ratings and independent research, as well as the ability to create customized charts. Yahoo Finance is one of my favorite tools I use in my investing toolkit, and it's what I use each morning to kick off my day and stay in the loop with what's happening in the markets. Join more than 90 million monthly users today and get comprehensive financial news and analysis at yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Today's show is sponsored by public.com. That's where you can earn 5.1% APY with a high yield cash account. While we can't say for certain it's the highest interest rate out there, we can say this. It's a higher rate than Robinhood, a higher rate than SoFi, a higher rate than Marcus, a higher rate than Wealthfront, a higher rate than Betterment, frankly, a higher rate than Capital One, a higher rate than Ally, a higher rate than Barclays, a way higher rate than Bank of America and Chase, a higher rate than Citi, Wells Fargo, Discover, and it's a higher rate than American Express too. So, 
If you want to start earning 5.1% APY on your cash, check out public.com. We can't say it's the highest interest rate, but it's pretty damn up there. This is a paid endorsement for public investing, 5.1% APY as of March 26, 2024, and is subject to change. A high-yield cash account is a secondary brokerage account with public investing member of FINRA-SIPC. Funds from this account are automatically deposited into a partner bank where they can earn a variable interest and are eligible for FDIC insurance. Neither public investing nor any of its affiliates is a bank. U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high-yield-account. All right, back to the show. Let's tie all this back into business or just being yeah, successful in business. Because as we talk about this, I think a lot of people are, are listening and they're probably saying, how does this impact me? How does this impact my business? How can this drive success for me in life and in business? So how do all of these things really make an impact on driving someone's success in business? I think if your life is out of whack, your business will be out of whack and eventually it will crumble. You might have some success for a year or two, but then you're going to be exhausted, you're going to be tired, you're going to be mean to people, and your business will start to suffer. So everything you do in your life affects your business, affects your relationships, affects everything. Or at some point, it'll come back to get you. So building these habits, the habits I learned from sports, creating structure, saying positive things to ourselves, having goals, getting enough sleep, eating well, like this is just basic one-on-one life. To be a great athlete, I just transitioned it and used it into business. And I just said, okay. I remember the first four years in business, I didn't own a TV. I just said, TV is a distraction. It's unproductive time where I could be putting that into launching my business and growing it faster. So it's just minimizing the things that aren't going to support your dreams and goals. Alcohol doesn't support your dreams. Three hours of sleep every night doesn't support your dreams. Getting lazy and fat and exhausted doesn't support your dreams. Doing the things that will support your dreams is what is your duty in life because your dreams matter because you were born. I want to talk about having mentors. I personally get asked about it a lot, so I can only imagine that you do as well. And I know in your books, on your podcast, and on your website, you talk how important having a mentor is. You've even said that it's a requirement for success. And you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you had some mentors that were really crucial for your success. Why is it so important to have good mentors? I just think you want to find people who can be a great compass for your life. Hopefully, your parents taught you everything you need to know, but that's just not the case. When you go after a dream that your parents have nothing, no clue about, you're going to need people who have gone and done something like that before, who could give you some great feedback, some great guidance. You need someone who could be a compass for you in different areas of your life. And maybe that could be your parents. Maybe that could be a brother or a sibling or an aunt or uncle or something like that. But most likely, you're going to need someone outside of the family at some point if you're going to reach for this championship level in your life, whether it be your career, a marriage, a business, whatever it may be. You're going to eventually need some outside guidance. And I just feel like mentors have saved me so much time, so much headache, so much money, and just reinforced, like, is the decision I want to make in this a good decision? And when I ask a mentor, like, this is what I'm thinking about doing, what do you think? And just having them keep you on track. You know, it's easy for us to take the easy way out, easy for us to want to cut corners, to want to do things that maybe are a little out of integrity because it's quicker, faster. The great mentors will keep you on a moral compass and a spiritual compass that'll guide you to your North Star. And that's the type of mentors you want to find. They're not going to sugarcoat it, 
They're going to be supportive and loving, yes, but they're going to also keep you on track, tell you how it is. You don't want someone to always agree with everything unless it's exactly what they would do. But goal is to just have someone be a great moral compass for you to become a better human being. How can somebody go about finding those type of mentors? I just think the world makes room for passionate people. And when you put yourself out there in a passionate way, you start to excite mentors and get the attention of potential mentors. They'll be like, oh, I see something. There's a passion in this person you know, I used to have when I was younger or whatever, right? And I think if you go about it in a I don't care type of mentality, then you're going to get that type of response. But when you're passionate about something, excited in your emails, you're excited on a phone call when you meet someone, and you start with that intention of like this passion for this idea, you'll start to attract more people than you think who want to support you, who want to help you. And if you show that you have already been working hard towards something, showing credibility that you have been putting in the work daily, weekly, monthly, yearly towards this dream or goal, that's going to tell a mentor, this person's not going to drop off their dream. If I'm helping them or coaching them, they're not just going to stop in a month when it gets hard. They're already doing hard work. So I can trust that my time is not going to be wasted because the biggest thing a mentor has is their time. And if you waste their time by just asking them questions and not taking action, then why would they want to work with you? They only want to work with people that they see get results that will validate their wisdom, that will validate their time, that'll make them feel fulfilled. So you got to make sure you have those things before you go after mentors. That's absolutely one of the things that I've noticed with mentors is that they just, a lot of people are willing to help, but they want to see you take the action. If you go out there and you're not taking action on what they're telling you, then they feel like their time is wasted and that's you know, wasting their most valuable resource. They don't expect you to not make mistakes or anything like that. But yeah. Mistakes are good. They want you to come to them and teach you that, but you got to take action. That's it. And I think a lot of people go wrong with mentors is at the beginning, at least, they're not looking to build a genuine relationship. They're more just firing off emails saying, hey, will you mentor me? Hey, will you mentor me? That's not really how it's done. It's building a genuine relationship. Yeah, I think also doing your research about the mentor, not just because, oh, I just saw this person on Instagram or Twitter that they had a big following and they did this big company, like, I'm going to reach out to them. Like, I think you want to admire your mentor for a while, your potential mentor. You want to follow them. You want to read their stuff. You want to learn about what they did 10 years ago. You want to know as much as you can about them. So when you approach them, they feel like, okay, there's a true, genuine respect that you have for them, that you've been following them for a while. You respect the brand and the business they've built. You know a lot about them. I think that will go a long way if someone knows a lot about you. Like if someone came to me and they're like, man, I've listened to a hundred of your episodes, right? I've got 900 episodes. But if they're like, I've been listening for the last two years and I feel like I know everything about you. I've been studying the school of greatness. I went to the summit of greatness. I went to, I bought your books. I read it and I've been working for these last two years on this project and I've gotten it to this point and I feel like I just need some answers on how to get it to another level. Like, is there any way I could jump on five, 10 minutes and just get it? I've got these two questions. I really love your feedback. And I just think you would have the answer. Like, I don't know if I'd say yes or not, but something like that would be more enticing for me than just, hey, will you mentor me? You know, it's like, it all depends on how much time the person has. It may not be the right timing, but if someone approached me like that and they were that devouring of my content and they were specific about what they got from it and how they applied it, and they were like, you know, can I at least email you a question? I would answer them for your email. Maybe I'd get on a call the next time and go back and forth and build a relationship, but it's like, it's got to start somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, you have to prove it. 
you have to prove that you're willing to do this thing. So, you know, start with an email and maybe it goes back and forth two or three times on an email. And then maybe you show them that you're willing to actually do what they've taught you. And then you can dive into a call. I mean, I know you've talked about mentoring people through your podcast since, I mean, you can't possibly mentor everyone that you'd like to. No. So your podcast is a great way to do that. And that's why I do it. Yeah. Go, yeah. If you want to be mentored by me, go listen. I'll, I'll teach everything I know there. Exactly. And I personally love this idea of having someone as a mentor indirectly, because for me, there are people I personally look up to as a mentor that would probably never mentor me one-on-one. They just don't have the time yet. I can still learn so much from them. And one of those people is Andy Frisella. I've looked up to him and tried to learn as much as I can from him for so, so long through his podcast, his website, blogs, you know, everything he puts out on social. And I feel like I'm able to have him as a mentor. And, you know, the same goes for other people as well. Why do you think more people don't take advantage of that indirect relationship or indirect mentorship that's now available because of technology? They're lazy, man. I mean, listening to something for an hour a day, watching videos, reading books going to events, people are lazy. They have excuses. They'd rather watch TV. They'd rather watch, just flip through Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. They want it, but they're lazy. They don't have this desire. And that's what I think I've talked about in the beginning. Like You might have a dream. Yeah, I want to make a million dollars. Yeah, I want this car. I want this house, whatever. I want to be the CEO of a big company that gets bought by Facebook. Okay, but do you have the desire? And the desire comes from hunger, comes from a lack of something. You know, I had a lack in my life. And I was like, I'm sick of feeling hungry. I want to freaking be full. I want to eat. You know, I want to like go after this thing. And um, people have a lack of desire. And that's what holds them back. It just, it really kind of blows my mind because, you know, if we were able to show people back in the 90s or 80s what we have available now to us to learn from these people, they would be amazed at the opportunity we have yeah. and that people aren't just taking as much advantage of it as they can. It's just is insane to me. For me, I mean, Andy, using Andy as an example, he just ended his podcast, The MFCEO Project. And I've gone back, I'm listening from episode one all the way back through you know, a couple 300 again. I know having a great mentor is a big component of a winning team, but there are obviously other pieces that are needed too. Who else is needed? And how can the audience find the right people outside of just a mentor to build a winning team? In business or in life? Let's talk about both. I think you just need someone to keep you accountable that you respect. You know, I've got my COO, a friend of mine I've known for 15 years, who just keeps me accountable to my word. It's easier for us to lose willpower over time because doing hard things is hard consistently. So having someone to hold you accountable that you respect, that's not going to like buy into your BS, that's not going to allow you to just make excuses. I just think that person's important. And that needs to be a person very close to you that you spend a lot of time with. Otherwise, you're going to fall. Your willpower is not strong enough over year after year, constantly by yourself to stick to the hard goals you have to yourself, hard habits. I think your partner and your intimate relationship is someone that needs to really... It's got to be both ways. They've got to be willing to lift you up in a big way, the same with you. But they've got to be a person who you respect so much that their words to you mean a lot. And when they give you feedback, you listen. You don't just dismiss it. If you're around that person, you know sleeping with them every night, waking up next to them, spending so much time with them. You need to respect them so much. So you need to make sure you choose the right person you're going to be with because they're going to be giving you a lot of, they're going to be saying a lot of words around you and those words are powerful. So you need to make sure you really respect that person. I think you need to be around really fit people, people that are understand nutrition, people that make good habits in their food life and their fitness life because you become obviously like your circle. 
So if you're around people that are eating sugar all the time, you're probably going to cheat and eat more sugar and smoke and drink and all those things if those are those people. So just choose to be around people who live a lifestyle you want to be like, and then choose to be around financially abundant people. You know, I spent a lot of time with really rich people. And even though my motivation is not like, how do I make as much money as I can? For me, it's how do I impact the most people possible? That's the motivation that I have. The money comes from that, but I'm also surrounding myself with really smart money people where I can just ask a question and they'd be like, okay, let me make this decision now moving forward with my money or let me invest in this, let me try this, as opposed to just going blind and doing what I think I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm mentored by really smart, financially wealthy people who I learn from. And it goes back to that saying, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And just to drive that point home further about being around people that eat well and healthy. I think a step further is that those people aren't out partying and drinking on Fridays and Saturday nights, which doesn't drag you out into that scene, which means you have more time to put into your business. You wake up Saturday, Sunday mornings, ready to rock and roll and really get to work. And you're not being dragged down by those types of activities. You mentioned that you're not doing the things you're doing just for money or the material items. So how else does one live a truly successful life? It's based on what everyone wants. For me, what fulfills me is seeing people grow, seeing people transform, seeing people overcome their challenges and achieve their dreams when they achieve the thing that lights them up the most. And I know that I was a part of it in some way. It just brings me a lot of joy to help people overcome their adversities and achieve their dreams because it's like, I don't know what other, it's like winning a million dollars every time that happens for me. I can change a human life or be a part of their change. It's just really fulfilling and rewarding for me. So, you know, I do that for selfish reasons. It feels good. And I know I'm helping other people. That's just what it is for me. How can somebody find out what that specific thing is for them if they don't already know? I just think whenever you're doing living life, what brings you the most joy when you do it? Is it an activity? For me, this was sports for a long time, like playing sports in front of a large audience and winning the game or being like the best player, making great plays, and being able to express myself on the court or on the field in front of a live audience, pressure is on. That was the most fulfilling thing for me because it was my expression that inspired people. People would come up to me after the game where they're like, man, I was so inspired how you broke through those players and dove for the end zone. It just inspired me in my life. So I was doing that in sports without really realizing it until people would tell me like, man, that was so inspiring how you made that one play. How, like, the whole game, or how you guys came back, like, to give people hope, to give people a lesson, to show someone what's possible in their life. I was doing that in sports, and now I'm trying to do that in business. And if you get around the right mentors, they can likely help you find out what really inspires you and what makes you successful. Seeing their success can help you find what makes you successful. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. But at the end of the day, you got to. No one can give it to you. You got to figure that out yourself, kind of thing. You got to try different things and see like what lights you up. You know, for example, there's a lot of people right now that say they want to write books, they want to launch podcasts, and then they do it. And three months later, they're like, eh, it seems exciting, but it's not what I want, actually. Too much. It's not as fun as I thought it was. It's, I'm losing money. It's not, I don't even enjoy interviewing people. And then they stop. So I think you got to try different things until you realize, like, oh, this brings me a lot of joy. And a lot of people make decisions based on pain, like a pain they had growing up where they said, this is going to be my mission. I don't want anyone else to feel this pain anymore. So I'm going to go build a company that helps end cancer or eliminate this or help 
People got out of toxic relationships. They do things because they were in pain. A family member or a friend was in pain. They said, I don't want other people to suffer. I'm going to go find a solution. I'm going to go do it. That brings me joy. That's kind of the way I live my life. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey guys, the Range Rover Sport leads by example. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability and combines assertive on-road performance with the signature Range Rover refinement that you'd expect. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet and redefines sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, which offer new levels of comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit-like driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can also enjoy a dynamic drive in total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Today's show is sponsored by Public.com. That's where you can earn 5.1% APY with a high-yield cash account. While we can't say for certain it's the highest interest rate out there, we can say this. It's a higher rate than Robinhood, a higher rate than SoFi, a higher rate than Marcus, a higher rate than Wealthfront, a higher rate than Betterment, frankly, a higher rate than Capital One, a higher rate than Ally, a higher rate than Barclays, a way higher rate than Bank of America and Chase, a higher rate than Citi, Wells Fargo, Discover, and it's a higher rate than American Express too. So if you want to start earning 5.1% APY on your cash, check out public.com. We can't say it's the highest interest rate, but it's pretty damn up there. This is a paid endorsement for public investing, 5.1% in APY as of March 26, 2024, and is subject to change. A high-yield cash account is a secondary brokerage account with public investing member of FINRA-SIPC. Funds from this account are automatically deposited into a partner bank where they can earn a variable interest and are eligible for FDIC insurance. Neither public investing nor any of its affiliates is a bank. U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high-yield-account. Hey guys, when it comes to financial advice, you've got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever credit card was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? lounge access, a free flight to a bucket list destination, wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and much more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Check out nerdwallet.com and start making smarter financial decisions. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, back to the show. There's a book by Gary Keller called The One Thing, where he talks about really just focusing in and really honing in on one thing specifically and becoming great at that one thing. But then on the flip side, you have people like Gary Vaynerchuk who talk about how you should be working on all kinds of different things at once and how he always has eight different balls in the air at once. So where do you fall on this? Should people be focusing on one thing or should they be doing a multitude of different things? think you got to know yourself. 
like Gary would say, I think you got to know yourself. If you, for me, I'm a decathlete in sports. I, I did an event in track and field called the decathlon. It's 10 events in one event. And so it was two days, five events each day. And decathletes are known as people who are really, really, really good at all 10 events, but not an expert at any one. And they actually didn't have the skill set to be the best at any one in the world, but they were really, really good at all 10. And you're judged on your ability to be really, really good at all 10. You're scored at each event. And by being really good at all 10, whoever wins the Olympic gold medal is anointed the greatest athlete in the world. So even though you're not the fastest person, the highest jumper, the longest jumper in the world, you're not a specialist at being the best at the 100 meters, you're the greatest athlete in the world because you were great at 10 different things. I think you got to know who you are. So any one of those athletes would have never gotten a medal, maybe one or two, but most of those athletes would have never gotten a medal if they specialized in just the 100 meters or the 400 or the mile or whatever it is, pole vault. Almost none of them would have got a medal at the Olympics, but they medaled because they were great at multiple things. And that's what their skill set was. So I think you got to know who you are, what's available for you. For me, I like to do lots of different things, probably too many things. And this year, I decided to cut back and focus more on one thing and see how that works for a year. And I'm going to focus more on optimizing my show, my podcast, going all in. And any projects that I do on the side have to support that. So that's my way of saying like, okay, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do this thing, this thing. But it's all got to go back to pushing the podcast, promoting the podcast, building the podcast, making it better, doing whatever it takes to grow it because that's my mission. So you know, I spent the last seven years building a show and trying lots of different things as well. And I realized that my greatest gift is doing the show. So I'm going to eliminate a few things, go all in on the show, see what happens there for a year or two, and then reevaluate. You know, it all depends on where you're at in your life. Yeah, I remember listening to your episode where you talked about that. I think it was with Rory Vaden, if I remember correctly, a couple of weeks back. Great episode. And yeah, thank you. That's so right. I mean, it goes back to doubling down on what, what brings you happiness and success, right? You mentioned yeah. that helping people is what brings you and makes you feel successful. And like we yeah. talked about, you can mentor so many millions of people through your podcast. Are you still looking for or just working with mentors today, even though all the success you've had? Absolutely. I mean, I probably don't call them like, I don't have official mentors. I just feel like I get to interview the most brilliant people in the world and I just stay in touch with them. And, you know, I was texting with Grant Cardone this morning because he's in town and I'll FaceTime when I want. I have a question about money. I'll text, you know, some Olympic athlete if I have a question about training. I'll text like a top doctor about nutrition. It's just like I'll, I have mentors on any topic of life because I've interviewed the best. And so they're not an official mentor, but they're just friends that I help and support and they help me. And uh, I'm always leaning. Last night, I did a three-hour coaching session with a friend who's a mentor and specialist. He helped me with some emotional things. Like I'm always reaching out to my network. If you were able to go back in time and give your millennial self just one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Knowing what I know now, I mean, I'd probably said like invest in certain things differently. If I like knew how the future was going to be, put it all on Red 7. Nah, I think I would um, three things popped in my mind that I wish I would have had like 10, 15 years ago. I wish I would have studied Spanish and become fluent in Spanish back in like 
even right after college, like just started studying it and saying, I'm going to, that's when I had the most time to like just learn and most downtime. I wish I would have like just been all in on learning Spanish because I believe that the Spanish speaking countries and communities around the world is a big opportunity to impact them through the content that we're creating. And I think, you know, translating subtitles and someone else like dubbing audio is great and you can impact people still there. But I think if you actually had the language, you could do some incredible things for these communities and impact people. So it would just be another skill, like another tool in the tool belt that would make you more unique and stand out. I'm actually looking for someone to, to come tutor me every day here in LA. So I'm actually trying to find that person right now, Spanish, and invest in it now. Because I don't want to regret in 20 years still not having the language, still not being at least fluent enough to like have a conversation. The second thing I would say I would have invested in, I feel like I did a pretty good job with my health, but I think I would have invested in learning how to cut out sugar 100%. Because I think sugar is like rat poison and it tastes incredible, but it's killing us slowly. We don't understand how much sugar is killing us. And I'm the first one to fall. Sugar is my addiction. Uh, it's my vice. I eat cookies, brownies, cakes, whatever you name it, candy. I'm all in. It hurts me. Like in the long run, I feel the negative effects in my mid 30s. I start to feel it. And I wish I would have cut that addiction earlier because now I have to like work a lot harder to like manage it and make sure I'm not eating it at certain times and all that stuff. And I think the third one, I would have learned about creating amazing storytelling videos at a much younger age, like viral videos, because that's what reaches the masses right now. Viral videos and video in general, video on Facebook, video on Instagram, video on YouTube, video on TikTok, video has the ability to transform the world or reach a broad audience. Even if it's a negative thing, it has the ability to reach more people. So I would have learned how to be a great video storyteller at an earlier age. It's funny that you mentioned Spanish because that's actually something that I wish I had learned myself. I'm going to probably go ahead and try and learn that. Yeah. I think you should make it a goal of yours for the next three years to be fluent and do whatever it takes. Like It should be a non-negotiable. In my opinion, if I could go back and change anything, it'd be that for sure. Just because imagine what you can do knowing the language for the rest of your life. And the sooner you learn it, the more powerful your life will be. The longer you wait, it's just going to be harder and harder. It's going to be more busy in your late 20s than it is now. So sacrifice an hour of TV a day for an hour of learning. How about in business? Is there anything that you'd go back if you, if you were starting your business over again that you would do differently? I learned through all my mistakes. And so I don't know what I would change specifically. I think I, think I might have hired better people earlier on because I just hired based on a need quickly. and I didn't really go through a hiring process and find the right people early on. I was just like, all right, you're available. Like, Let's bring you in and then train you up. And then six months later, they weren't the right fit and they would leave. So it was just a lot of wasted energy on getting you know, subpar people who were invested and who had the skills and the attitude to really do something, which took a lot more time and energy from me to make up for it. So making sure to have the right people on the team and being very specific about the energy you bring around you, the people's skills, attitude, everything. Whether it be about business, entrepreneurship, or just life in general, what is a common piece of advice you hear given on the internet by quote-unquote gurus or experts that you think is misleading or just wrong? And how would you make that good advice? First thing that came to my mind is don't sleep and hustle more. But I think 
I think it's impossible to have balance, like total balance in your life. And you're going to need to have seasons of hustle and lack of sleep, potentially less sleep. I think it'll hurt you if you're really cutting, like pulling all nighters all the time or four hours a night all the time. I think it'll hurt you in the long run. So be strategic about creating structure and parameters and boundaries around these seasons of your life and don't allow hustle and no sleep to be a lifestyle. Allow it to be a lifestyle for a certain amount of time, season, and then you're able to recover and get back on track with better boundaries and balance in your life. Lewis, thanks so much for your time. I know it's super valuable, so I really do appreciate it. This seriously has been a great episode that I think the audience is going to gain a lot of value from. I know I have. So where can the listeners go to learn more about you and connect with you further? School of Greatness podcast on Apple or Spotify, lewishouse.com, at lewishouse. And I've got a new documentary coming out. If you go to greatness.com and watch the documentary for free just by opting in. So check out greatness.com. Check out the movie. Spent a lot of time on it. A lot of money. Hollywood directors, the whole thing. That's coming out. So check that out at greatness.com. I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes, as well as links to all of Lewis's other resources. And as always, I'll put links to different books that relate to the topics that we talked about today so you can dive deeper into them if you're interested in learning more. So be sure to check out the show notes below in your favorite podcast player or going to theinvestorspodcast.com and looking for the Millennial Investing Show. Lewis, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, my man. Appreciate you. All right, guys, that's all I had for this week's episode of Millennial Investing. I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.